Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening, everybody. Uneducated economist here. You know, I don't talk a lot about investing, like how to profit from your money, what to do with your money. I do tell you what I do with my money. I've not made it a secret that I am not much of an investor. I feel like I'm more of a saver. I like to save in gold, silver, cryptos, and cash. Those are my places that I feel the most comfortable being. Now, I know a lot of people will probably argue about return on investment and stuff like that. That's that's good. Like, I'm not very good at investing. Like, I've tried several times to do, like, the day trading thing. I tried to do, like, crypto trading. I've done, I'm not very good at that. So what I have found is that dollar cost averaging does very well for me. If I want to buy into silver, I will buy little pieces of it at a time. Like, if I want to buy $2,000 worth of silver, I will buy, say, maybe $200 worth at a time until I have spent my $2,000 or maybe $100 at a time. Or maybe I'll buy like once a month or once every other week or once a week or something like that. And I will do that until I have reached a particular goal that I wanted to achieve. So that's how I save. And lately, when I see everything that has been taking place, I have moved into dollars. I have been saving as many dollars as I can get. I put them in the bank. And people will shake their heads when they hear that. But it's what I'm doing. I'm being completely honest with you guys. My whole intention is to have enough money in the bank to show where the money has come from and to have a down payment for a house. That's my intentions with it. The area that I want to buy a house in has very little offering. So I'm waiting for the inventory to show up. Now... As far as price of homes go, I'm getting closer to that point where I am ready to own my own piece of property. I am hoping that I will have prices in an area that seem much more attractive than they do now. That's all I can say about that. But as far as right now, I am not interested in real estate, not even remotely. Except for saving up for the idea of owning it at some point. But I'm not looking. Now, when it comes to cryptos, I have put $50 a week towards Bitcoin for six months. Now, before that, I have purchased crypto many times throughout the years. So I couldn't tell you what my average Bitcoin price is that I have paid because I really just don't know. But over the last six months, actually, it's been a little bit more than that. It's been um, 36 weeks that I've been doing this. I've invested $1,800 into the stock market, and I've purchased $1,800 worth of Bitcoin in $50 increments once a week. Now, the stock portfolio 
is up, I think, around, I don't know, it dropped pretty dramatically over the last couple of days, but then returned a little bit today. So I think it's somewhere around 8 or 9%. I can't remember. I should have looked that up before I started the video. The Bitcoin, up until just recently, has always been above the, uh, the stock portfolio, but today dropped underneath it. It is still positive, like it's still more than the $1,800 that I have purchased of Bitcoin. But it is now like I think around 8% gain or something like that if I was to sell it today. At one time, there was well over $1,200 that I could have could have taken from as far as profit if I was to have sold off all the Bitcoin. That was quite a few weeks ago when, when Bitcoin was topping out. However, it's still not under over the course of 36 weeks, $50 a week into Bitcoin, if I was to sell off today, would be a bit of a profit. Not much, but better than, a, say, a savings account. That may not last. It may go down and, you know, go negative as far as my holdings go, <clears throat> go under the $1,800 that I put into it. But as of right now, it is still positive and it is still doing better than a savings account at a bank would do. And that's ultimately what I was trying to achieve was like whether or not you have cash, gold, crypto. So ultimately, I mean, I missed out on the gold part of it. Like I didn't put that in there. I was just kind of mo more focused in on on just the stock market and the, uh, and the crypto. So I didn't really invest gold at the time because really, I mean, if you were to try and do it in the same fashion... Because I was using like Cash App to buy the stock in the in the Bitcoin, because it's just like two of them I could have had side by side. I would have to have purchased like an ETF, like you know SLV or something like that. Now I could like just imagine because I have purchased silver and stuff like that. Now I could just imagine what it would have been if I had dollar cost averaged over the course of the same amount of time what I would typically have paid for a premium on it, but. I just didn't include that in there. So I was just looking at stocks. I was just looking at crypto and I was looking at cash. If you were to have just held cash that entire time. So over the course of the last 36 weeks, both Bitcoin and stocks have done better than just holding cash. We'll see if that lasts. I'm going to continue on with, with that. That's my, uh, that's so far has been like my entire trading, like, the history. I really don't do much. Most of it, it just goes into the bank. Um, okay. Now, this is a comment that came from a viewer a couple of days ago. I'm not, I, sorry, I forget which video was titled in, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the gentleman's name is Roger, and he had a comment here that I thought we should talk about because really, why are we here like even doing the research. Why am I putting these videos out? Why are we doing any of this stuff? And I think his comment really brings up the conversation. Like says, let's talk about this, right? So he goes like this. Okay. Probably 12 pack in. And it's going to be a long comment. I have been watching without notes. I'm not sure if he meant notes by that, but anyway. I've been watching without notes since December of 2017. You began much sooner, 2017, 2008, or 2007, 2008. I have been a YouTube subscriber for at least a year. We have agreed on so many points. And seen in a short year or so, you become more confident in your outlook. 
without any current YouTuber's opinion, no matter how smart they may be. Do you still believe in the milkshake? I agreed with you. I think some inflation and continued inflation in beef and oil, most energy, but deflation in goods. Understanding high price shipping, import taxes, and many other factors. Still, the demand, unless stimmy forever, is going to be deflationary. I am keeping it simple in investment. I want you, too, and I to think about that a little deeper. What do we do if the stock market does lose 70%? I want a serious video of you really thinking of how do you profit. Yes, gold, silver, maybe crypto, but come on, bro. We got to look at opportunity of this collapse. Reflect, and let's talk about it. You know... Out of all the years that I have been doing this, I have learned to try and run against the grain, to not go with the common theme, to try and step away from the narrative and look at things from a different point of view. It has been something I have always done. I didn't realize over the last few weeks that I was running so hard against the grain of inflation. Everybody seemed to be talking inflation. I knew it was. I saw the articles. I seen people talk about it in my comments section, but I had no idea so many different people out there on YouTube and everywhere else was so committed to the inflation narrative. I didn't realize that. I mean, I did, but not to that extent. I didn't realize I was one of the few people who was actually saying deflation or saying that this is not the inflation that people are saying it is. And I wasn't really looking at anything out there that would suggest inflation except for lumber. People kept pointing at lumber and saying, look, all you have to do is just look at lumber. There's all the inflation you need. And I said, that is not the inflation that you're describing. That is not dollar destruction. This is a supply chain crunch. I have been reporting on it the entire time before COVID, before anybody even cared about lumber. I was talking about it. I talked about milk curtailments long before there was ever any inventory shortages or price hikes or anything like that going on. I had no belief at the time or any time right now that inflation has anything to do with the prices of lumber being as high as they are. When the price comes down, it will find a floor somewhere. When we find that floor, then you can go ahead and tell me about the inflation to lumber. But what we're seeing right now is not the inflation from dollar destruction going into lumber. It's not. So, like I said, at some point we may see the deflation in lumber when it finally hits that bottom and we find out where lumber prices will be. And then we can say, there's the inflation that everybody's been searching for. But until then, I just don't believe that the inflation scenario can be used in lumber. That's my whole argument, it's been my whole argument the whole time. Inflation may be showing up in all kinds of other stuff. I don't know. I'm not looking at it. But people pointing at lumber for it, mm-mm. It's not happening there. That's not where inflation has taken place. <clears throat> he asked me, do you believe in the milkshake theory? Yeah. Now, 
The milkshake theory, this is an interesting one. If you're not familiar with it, this is really good. Brent Johnson's milkshake theory. Now, I haven't listened to him in, in quite some time, but originally when I did listen to his um, his take on the milkshake theory, the and I'm going to try and explain it very quickly, it was the idea of quantitative easing programs around the world all taking place simultaneously. This was the building of the milkshake. As all these countries were devaluing their currency that was like adding to the milkshake the united states at one point started raising interest rates now this is the i don't know if you remember it was autopilot they were raising a quarter point every quarter this was the united states basically sticking a big straw into that milkshake and started sucking that milk out started sucking the liquidity out this was strengthened the dollar in this started creating havoc around the world. Now, trying to explain like how it is that the currency from one country to another is, is affected by the dollar strengthening. If you can imagine the dollar is the world reserve currency and if one nation is gonna do deals with another nation, they're generally gonna do it with the dollar. Now, if the dollar happens to strengthen against another currency, then that currency has to come, that nation has to come up with ever more increasing amounts of their currency in order to get the dollars that they need in order to do the world trade. So as the United States was raising interest rates, they were sucking that milkshake, which was causing the other nations to have that much more pain as they had to come up with ever increasing amounts of their currency in order to get the dollars they need in order to do the world trade. So that's like, I don't know if I did that so accurately as Brent, would probably like me to have done. But anyway, that is kind of like the general theory of the milkshake, right? The milkshake theory. Now, I do believe in something very similar to that taking place. The only thing is, is that instead of the United States being the first to raise the interest rates, I think they're going to be the last ones to raise the interest rates. I think not only that, but they're also going to be the last ones to drop into negative interest rates once things have, once things start to reverse. They're going to tail everything. And... Ultimately, what I see happening is, is that nations around the world are all going to begin to start strengthening their currencies. And eventually, we're going to find it all across the entire world that this is all simultaneously taking place, that all the nations are working in lockstep to try and strengthen their currencies all at the same time. Now, there's going to be a lot of arguments about whether they can or cannot do this. It's, it's just what I see happening. Okay, You can already see it taking place. So once this happens, it's going to start creating a lot of pain. And once that pain starts to starts to <clears throat> be pressured in on the people, they're going to demand that their nations do something about that. Most nations are going to have to go into like a negative interest rate. And they're going to want to do this with the cashless society. And they're going to do it with the central bank digital currency. So all these nations over the course of the next you know few years or whatever it takes are going to all start working on and implementing their central bank digital currencies. The whole point of that is, is so that when they do go negative, they can pull the cash out of the system and try and take interest rates into that negative territory and force people to spend their money. This is where a lot of the MMT theory, like the modern monetary theories and UBI and stuff like that will start to be like implemented. But that's, again, it's like a, a complete change to the way a lot of like 
laws are conducted inside of nations, especially here in the United States, because ultimately a central bank digital currency couldn't really exist in the fashion that the central banks would really want them because the central bank wants the ability to take the central bank digital currency and inject it right into the people's wallets. They don't really want to go through the like treasury like they do now because the treasury pretty much issues out all the checks when it comes to stimulus. Right. The Federal Reserve would like to be able to like instantaneously hit the people with stimulus without having to worry about Congress passing, you know, stimulus packages and, you know, stuff like that. So that that all would take a serious amount of law changes. I don't know about other nations, but it would certainly take a lot here in the United States in order to make that happen. So if all the other nations do it first. They're all going to start going negative. They're going to start running towards the dollar, strengthening the dollar ever more. As they start going into negative interest rates, as they start to inflate their currencies away and start doing the whole stimulus, they're going to, their people are going to look for any place, their, their nations, their investors, whoever, are going to look for any place they can to try and find a safe haven. And if the dollar is still the strengthening currency, then that's where they're going to go to. And the more they try to go to it, the more that's going to strengthen that currency. Now, that scenario is, to me, is so likely. I mean, I really see that taking place. Gold and silver can very much have a play inside of that. When those nations start to freak out and print up money and go negative and issue out their central bank digital currencies, the investors of those nations are going to find any place to try and be in a safe haven. Some of them are going to know that the United States will go into a central bank digital currency themselves and won't find the United States to be the safe haven. Many will. The United States has always been the safe haven. There's no reason to believe that it won't be again. However, a lot of them are going to start finding that safety over inside of the gold and silver. And that is probably one of the main reasons why I like gold and silver is because it is completely away from the banking system. It is something inside of your hand that is not subject to an app on your phone or an envelope coming in the mail or somebody, some other third party saying, here, here's your money. It is in your hand. You can do with it as you please. That is really special. And if you don't understand that, then you just don't get it, right? You just don't get what kind of tyranny can come down to you if you do not have the power in your hand to hold your wealth. Now, cryptocurrencies, on the other hand, I know all the arguments about it. If the electricity goes away, they can just turn it off. They'll make it illegal. All the, I've heard all that stuff a million times over. It doesn't matter to me. I am still in favor of cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin, especially Litecoin. Those are my two favorite ones. Those are the ones that I have been put the most money towards. I purchase $50 worth of Bitcoin a week. That is... Every once in a while, if I see a price drop or I happen to just get a wild hair or something, I might buy more than that. But that's generally where I'm at is $50 a week in Bitcoin. <clears throat> so how do we profit? Like that's that's the question really what he wants to know. How do we profit from a 70% collapse? I don't know if I really want to see a 70% collapse. I mean, if we're in a 70% collapse, that's the blood in the streets. 
Right. People will be jumping off of bridges and there's going to be like chaos and mayhem. I don't want to see that. Okay. If that's what's coming in our future, I am not, I, I don't want to see that. Okay. If it's to come, that's the blood in the streets. When you hear people crying about losing everything that they have ever had, you, you go to find out what it is that they have lost everything that they have ever had in and you find out what it is that is going to be existing in the future and you buy it. It's going to be cheap. Those dollars that everybody say are worthless is the one thing that will alleviate debt. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants to alleviate their debt. Are you sure about that, guys? When all of a sudden it is difficult to get your hands on dollars and you have to make that debt payment... Tell me, how many gold rings will you sell? How many little toys did you purchase with all that expensive debt will you get rid of in order to keep your livelihood going? When the pain starts to inflict, tell me, how much of those pretty little toys will you sell for cheap? That's, that is a scenario that I don't think a lot of people are waiting on or even thinking is even possible. But believe me, in order to get Congress to change the laws that are needed to implement your UBI or the monetary mon modern monetary theory or whatever it is that you want to call it, in order for there to be the laws, they need to have people screaming at them to do it. And believe me, holding up a few picket signs and stuff like that isn't enough. They're, you're going to have to be slamming at their door to make them change these laws because it's a change of the way the Federal Reserve is conducted and is pretty much relinquishing all power to them. I wouldn't look forward to it if I were you. Uneducated economist. You guys let me know.